Welcome to the Gamers Over 50 podcast. This is episode 29. Tournaments are fun. Now, this is actually going to be three podcasts in a row. So I apologize if you listen to these in a row. You're going to listen to like probably an hour and a half of me. Apologies accepted. I will add a little bit of comedy in here. And I came up with this, you know, idea because during this pandemic, I miss seeing my friends, family members. You know, I've my father's going through chemotherapy during this whole thing. It's kind of crazy. It's his second bout of cancer. My you know, uh, daughter is asthmatic, 22-year-old, living away from home. So, you know, a lot of those times I wake up and I'm just thinking my phone is ringing and, you know, somebody to tell me something really bad. And I need something that, uh, you know, where I can I can kind of have some joy and bring some joy because, you know, not only is my family having issues, I have friends are struggling in many, many ways and sh- friends that are struggling in every way. And there's really little we can do to help um, to do that. And I'm hoping if some of my friends are struggling and you're maybe listening to podcasts, listen to this one and we think about the all the games we played and maybe some of the funny and weird stuff that I'm going to come up with this tournament. So, you know, I miss really going out for anything. I miss going to the store just to go to the store. I miss going to cons. I know a lot of people are like, oh, conventions, you know, people are passing away, people are dying. Totally, you know, I miss the fact that I can actually see a couple friends of mine who are in their 80s. I volunteered with in the past. I haven't been able to see them really. haven't been able to talk to them because they're they're just really low and you know, they're with family and they're doing okay, but you know, it's just bummers that you can't do stuff. And, you know, I live such a long distance from my actual family that it hasn't been so difficult, right? I mean, I can talk to people on the phone, you know, we can do FaceTime, things like that. Um, but I've lost kind of my common bond with a lot of my friends and family, which is sports. And, you know, when this was really starting to ramp up and really hitting, uh, you know, sports kind of went away. Now, for me, sports is like one of those subjects that I can talk to anybody in my family and we don't argue. And we, if, if we argue, we're like, hey, this player was better than that player. And I'm like, well, I appreciate that you like, you know, a, a good guard in basketball, but I'm kind of, I'm, I like centers. And I'm from Kentucky. So the level of basketball goes to another place because it's kind of what we talk about all year round. Uh, we talk about it during football season. We talk about it during the summer. We talk about it, you know, whenever. We're talking about it now when there's nobody playing basketball. So, you know, the, the pandemic really started to, to get a lot of exposure, people doing the right thing, getting social distancing, not having thousands of people in an arena. Really good idea. Uh, around that time when the NCAA tournament was coming around. So it was kind of a bummer. And then over the last couple of weeks, the Kentucky Derby was supposed to be held. Love the Derby. Love people at Churchill Downs. The people there are so nice. I've worked with them. I know a lot of the folks. I know they're hurting too. You know, but I've, I've kind of missed these things that give me joy. Now, you know, instead of doing that, instead of sitting and watching hours and hours of time on basketball in March, I didn't. Or, you know, racing, horse racing, which I love to watch horse racing. I know people think it's a bad sport. I think horses are amazing. If you've ever been able to go through the the central part of Kentucky during the spring, uh, if you don't get a chance, do it someday. I'm not here from the tourism board, but I will tell you, it is really cool to see one-year-olds and two-year-olds and then horses that could actually be in the Kentucky Derby in a week or two. So, you know, instead of watching that, I really wanted to bring a tournament to my mind and 
you know, I, I started looking at board games and I started looking at how many tournaments there are for board games. There's tons. I mean, we've talked about them, so Catan and all sorts of games. But I love the fact that when I was doing this research, they called board game tournaments or game tournaments, tournaments of the mind or mind tourneys. So that really jumped out, you know, and I, I was really kind of uh, blown away by going out and taking a look at Board Game Geek's number of board game tournaments. And, you know, hopefully we get back to that. I think we, we will. We may get to a point where there's a plexiglass shield around us or something like that. Um, but, you know, I was noticing that my kids are getting tired of playing one or two games and, you know, watching the same old movies or sitting around or just watching. We watch a lot of Big Bang Theory. I think we've watched the entire season, every season of Big Bang Theory. It's a good show to watch, so it's good. But I decided to get my kids into this mix. And I said, okay, we are going to have a 20-game tournament. We're going to play 20 games. Why 20 games? I like that question. Thank you very much. 20 games was because, like everyone else, I love cutting little pieces of paper into strips and pulling out numbers and going through that and trying to read people's handwriting and things like that, especially mine because mine sucks. But instead, I love 20-sided dice even more. So I have a lit up 20-sided dice. Thank you, ThinkGeek, which is still some spirit over at GameStop. They own them now. And I bought a lot of gifts from ThinkGeek, like this dice. I bought them actually, I think, either at a PAX or an Emerald City Comic Con. But the 20-sided, 20 20, the 20th side lights up when you roll it. So I'm like, you know what? Let's get a 20-sided dice. It's something we can roll on. It's something we'll enjoy. Now, you know, I bet you thought I was going to go through the, the statistics of the dice rolls. And I love statistics, and we will talk some statistics. It's fun to see how many times I can say statistics before I script statistics. I haven't got it yet, or did I? Oh, I might have already done it. Anywho, but a 20-sided dice allows me to have 20 games and to roll it. And it's fun because everybody gets a roll. Winner rolls, as they say. Now, I also went to the the entire family and I said, all right, everybody, we're going to pick 20 games. Everybody, you pick five games. I purposely waited for people to pick five games each. So they could have the last five games myself. Uh, so that I could kind of fill in the uh, the pieces there, there. Now, only rule, we could not play Cards Against Humanity. Now, I have played Cards Against Humanity with my kids. And, you know, that's fine. But I don't think anybody really wants to hear about an 11-year-old or a 9-year-old potentially saying something really nasty. Because usually they're sitting on either side of me and I let them read the card. Uh, versus going and seeing you know, certain nasty things that are in a card, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So long story short, that was the only game we couldn't play. Now with that, you know, I think my mother would probably be pretty happy to know that we did not play a game with a lot of curse words for her grandchildren to say. Instead, we picked out a large set of games. Now I'm not going to put anybody's name on top of these, but I will give you them by the number. And I actually assigned a number by going from the lowest first game they picked. And we just kind of did this kind of a round robin where the the top game was one. Then we went one, 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 two, three, four. On four, the bottom game became five, six. You know, you see how I'm going. Method of the Madness rolling around. So here are the list of the games. Trivial Pursuit, Family Edition. Monopoly, 
I threw Monopoly in there just because I wanted to, and I actually picked a special Monopoly. It's the 20th game, so you're just going to have to wait to find out what Monopoly was. Settlers of Catan. And you've made, we made, we've talked about some of these games, or I've talked about some of these games in, previously. I'm not going to go into the depth on them. Um, but then other games, I may go into a little more depth. So Operation. This would be the Minions version from uh, the Spickle with Me, the Little Minions Yellow Guys version of it. Simpsons Life. Apples to Apples, another game we've talked about. Dicey Goblins, a game we actually bought. It was like the last time we went out before everything got closed. Everything was shut down, and we couldn't go out or anything, but we did go to a game store right before, and we I think we bought like six games. So, um, Because I kind of had a feeling that that was the last time we were going to get to that game store. Pandemic, of course, we picked Pandemic. Actually, I didn't pick Pandemic. One of the kids did. They like the game. We talked about it again. Phase 10. Sushi Go. Again, another game we've talked about. Farkle. Age of War. Another game we talked about. And then we're going to throw a list we haven't. Sorry. Uno Flip. Machi Koro. Backgammon. Yahtzee. Checkers. Ticket to Ride. And Simon. Now, you're probably wondering, hey, Mitch, where are the video games? Where's the Nintendo? Where's the Xbox? Where's the PlayStation? Where's the Guitar Hero, man? Well, I thought a board game tournament would be good to start because it's going to take a while. And I felt like we were going to be here a while. We're going to be not socially social distancing as much. And a video game tournament, we probably would have played in like an afternoon. So I wanted to stretch it out. Um, I also wanted to throw in some old school games because my kids like to play a lot of the newer games. And I'm like, you know... How many times have we played backgammon? Or hmm, anybody ever, have we picked up the Simon game in a while? And when you get into Simon, I loved Simon as a kid. Obvious reasons when we find out all about it. So last piece, all of these games existed in our home. Now, at some point, you know, you end up with those boxes that have checkers, chess, backgammon, all of them together. So, you know, we had some of those. Um, I think if you're at home, and you have a deck of cards, or if you have six plus dice, or one of those checkers, checks, backgammon, game kits, um, they're actually extremely cheap. You can get them for like $10 or $15. And then you get some dice and cards if you want. You can put together your own tournament. You could actually do it with those things, because I'm going to talk about some games that we can definitely play on there. And there's a ton of card and dice games and variants. And again, chess was in there. I didn't throw chess in there because it was unfair. Me being the fourth grade co-chess champion at Laura Ingalls Wilder grade school um, in Eaglewood, Colorado with my friend Stacy. Again, I think I've talked about Stacy. Her dad worked for Kellogg's. It was awesome. Anywho, uh, but we didn't put chess in there. And, you know, I just wanted to pick games out that would be a mix, something that we could have fun with, something that we could do a little bit more uh, switching around with, and other games where all four of us had to be completely engaged at all times. Okay, so considering I'm going to talk about all these games, and I'm concerned that we may go over the 30-minute format, we may not. I may be able to fly through some of these games. I'm looking at the time right now, and I think I'm probably going to be able to add in a couple games from the the second, I may only be doing two podcasts where I planned on doing three. Of course, you never know. If I just keep talking about how many podcasts to do, I could probably spread this out to three for sure. Um, but I really wanted to take this and 
you know, like I said, I was going to say in the spirit of a Peter Jackson movie uh, or one of his latest movies, maybe not his latest, latest movie, but one of his middle earth movies. And again, Mr. Jackson, uh, Mr. Nasty, if you hear me, um, Sorry, Janet Jackson, I had to do it. But anywho, Peter Jackson, if you do hear me and you're going to create another middle or, uh, you know, I, I will go vegan and I will work out three times a day just so I can play an elf. And I don't really want to play an elf standing next to like Orlando Bloom or somebody. And those guys are really pretty elves. Maybe I'm like the elf that got beat up really bad and maybe I'm laying on a table kind of elf like, oh, we need to save his life. It's going to be really hard. Yeah, feel me to throw in there. But this will probably be a three-parter. And the reason behind that is because I do want to go into some of the nuances of the games because there are some old school games in here. And then there were games that were brand freaking new to me in here. And I want to give you kind of the, the joy and love of each game. And I want to give each one of those games respect. So with that, our very first roll was a 13. And if you were listening just a minute ago, you heard that Sorry was our first game we played. So I am sorry. Wait, not sorry. That sorry is our first game. So let's step on into it with sorry. So now, again, per our friends at Wikipedia, please donate to Wikipedia. I'm starting to get to every time I actually do a podcast, I'm donating to Wikipedia because I do ask them. So I'm going to give this a little bit more uh, feedback. I want sorry. It's because sorry is not just a game that came out of you know, uh, I think it was either Mattel or Hasbro. Hasbro. Anywho, so Sorry is a board game that is based on the ancient Indian cross and circle game Pachisi. Not Parcheesi, Pachisi. And players move their three or four pieces around the board, attempting to get all their pieces, air quotes, home before any other player. So if you've ever played Sorry, it's a fun game that you get to yell Sorry. Except for, it's a fun game that was actually invented in... India. So, and I'm not sure if it was northern or southern India, just as it did. Now, it was manufactured by a guy named W.H. Story and Co. in England, and now it's Hasbro. Um, it is actually marketed for two to four players, ages six and up. Now, I, I really think even kids that are three, four could get along with the game and enjoy it sitting on somebody's lap. Uh, but, you know, the game title comes from many ways in which a player can negate the progress of another while issuing an apologetic sorry. Thank you, my good friends at Wikipedia. Now, I want to go back to Pachisi again, because it is a, like I said, cross and circle board game that originated in medieval India. So this is considered one of the national games of India. And if it's not, I really apologize, but that's what Wikipedia says. And it is played on a board game with symmetrical cross. A player's pieces move around the board, like I said. Boom. Now, the object is to get your four pieces into your home. And again, like I said, our good friend William H. or William Henry story for everybody who's Henry out there, uh, filed for this patent back in 1929. So, Sorry is coming up in nine years. Sorry, it'll be a hundred years old. Sorry, you're not a hundred years old yet. Sorry, but one day you will be, and that'll be good too. So, got the patent and everything like that. Now, the gameplay, like I said, has two to four players. It has 13 cards. Now, one through 12 is a movement. 13 is our good friend, Sorry. And we're letting Piper, the game dog, come into my... Uh, office and studio you're gonna she's gonna work with me tonight piper is really good at telling me to get up out of my chair 
Uh, so after each one of these, maybe I'll get up and we'll go see if any bunnies are in the backyard. But thank you, Piper. But Sorry is, is, is really one of those fun games for kids. And I think it's on that same level as Candyland, Shoot for Ladders. And it may be a step above because it does require a bit of strategy. It does require you to move around the board and be able to you know read and maybe move some math and things like that and think about how you want to you know, approach the game. Anyhow, like I said, I think younger kids can play it. From our tournament note is that we are a incredibly competitive family. We like to win. We're okay when we lose, which is awesome. That's one of the things I wanted my kids to understand. Um, I have not won any everything I've ever done, probably maybe like 5 7%. That's great in life, I think. Uh, so we really wanted to start this out. And it's fun and the yelling of sorry and we're like saying sorry, not sorry. And I try to say it like my really good friend who's Canadian. He says sorry, but I don't say sorry, right? So anyone who's Canadian, I apologize for that really horrible attempt. Um, if you want to give me some tips, Gamers Over 50 podcast on Twitter. Um, anywho, sorry was our first game. We then moved in with a role and I'm not going to go through the roles. I'm just going to go through the, the games we played. The 13 was fun because we've actually ran rolled a 13, which is like, Oh, scary number. Anywho, the next game was Simon. Now, if you remember Simon, it's kind of a circle has four colors on it, yellow, red, blue, green. It's a memory game. It beeps. It, when you get it right, it just doesn't give you any validation. It moves to the next one. If you get it wrong, it's bam, 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 bam. It gives you crap. It's not fun. But Simon is actually an incredibly cool toy slash game. And it was created by Ralph Bayer and Howard Moore, Moore, Howard Morrison. And they did this with a, for a firm called Marvin Glass and Associates with a software programmer named Lenny Cope. Now, go do a little, we're going to talk about a couple of programs here. Lenny Cope, interesting guy to read about, created Simon. Game has been played all over the world. Now, again, like I said, it creates these tones. You have to repeat sequence when you fail. Boom. Great. The original version was distributed and was manufactured by Milton Bradley, later became Hasbro, right? Um, much of that code, though, was written in assembly language. Now, assembly language for all the computer programmers out there, we're all going, ooh, ah, assembly language, because that's like really, really hard. That's zeros and ones, folks. And thinking of if you wrote a program in that level of code, it's very low level. And when I say low level, low level code is high level. Like high level being able to write like if then is great. This is writing it to the actual machine. So thinking of it like that was written by Charles Caps. Now, Charles taught computer science at Temple University. Why is that cool? He also wrote one of the first books on the theory of computer programming in 1978. Wow. I have two siblings that were born between 77 and 79. And this guy has a book that's almost as old, older than one and almost as old as the other. Now, the very, very, very cool thing about Simon was, again, it was launched in 1978. But it was launched at Studio 54. And we, you know, there's tons of movies out there. There's tons of stories. Andy Warhol, David Bowie, people had a horse. And this is a dance club, people doing cocaine, people disco dancing, huge, 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 immediate, you know, big, big place. And it was an immediate success. Now, 
I want to break apart that a little bit. So Charles Caps, like I said, created code for a game. And I have said this all along. I think games are what drive entertainment, games and movies and stuff like that. Now, what's crazy again about this is around the computer code is the fact that this actually was released at Studio 54. So this is like a cool game, right? The four flashing lights. It looks sentient almost a little bit. It's like, oh, look, there's computer buddy around 2001 as a movie. Ooh, all the technology. So Studio 54, and it used to be a Broadway theater. And this little history about that. You knew you're getting some off-the-wall stuff here. I told you I should have warned you up front. But in 1977, Steve Rubel and Ian Schrager opened that nightclub. It was theatrical sets were in there. It was naming for where it's street. And it was the biggest, most famous club of all. In fact, there's like tons of movies, like five or six movies that are written about one studio, which is kind of crazy. Huge amount of drug use, you know, just crazy, crazy stuff that happened there. And then they shut it down because the people evaded their taxes. So remember to pay our taxes or they shut, the, shut us down and we can't release Simon to the next version. They never released a Simon 2. But Simon was our second game. Now, tournament note, uh, my hands are bigger than my kids. And so I'm not the best at Simon because I was bumping the wrong numbers. And I'm going to be honest with you. I played Simon as a kid. I loved this game. I loved it then. I love it now. I love watching people play the game. I don't understand it, but it's just a cool game. And you can actually get it for like $10. Now, it's not like the Simons we had back in the 70s and 80s, which were a little heavier. It's a little lighter. But, you know, what's funny is we sat there and we watched people and you cheered them on. It was a great game for us to play after saying sorry so much. We were able to say Simon says a whole bunch more. All right. So let's step in to the next game, which is Machi Koro. Now, this is the original game in Machi Koro or Dice Town, uh, the kanji characters for that, is a tabletop city building game designed by, oh shoot, Masao, Masao, Suganau, oh my gosh, I practiced this earlier, Suganuma, Masao Suganuma, and it is illustrated by Noboru Hota. Ha, ah, see, I did practice that, I had it. Now, it was published in 2012, and it's a Japanese game. So it's literally a Japanese game, and it came over to the U.S. people are playing. So some people ask me, or when I'm talking about this, and I actually was talking about saying, hey, did you know Machi Koro is a city-building game? And some people, by my wife and kids, were like, oh, I didn't know that. And they're like, what's well, a city-building game? It's where it's a city building or a town building that you actually go in, and you, ba you, know, you basically create the game itself and you go through and just, you know, you're building a town, et cetera, et cetera, out of uh, different pieces, roll, dice, it's growth management, you have numbers, et cetera, et cetera. So the fun part about this game is that when you're playing it, you can actually enjoy building, like I said, those tiles that are out there and putting them together. So with that strength building game, we went through that. So in Machi Caro, players roll dice to earn coins where they develop their city, aiming, you know, to build their city completely out. Now, what's really kind of fun about Machi Caro is, is that it's got all the things that you would see in a regular city. 
And when I say all the things that you would see in a regular city, I'm talking about landmarks and public works and stores and coffee shops and things to that effect. Um, what's really fun is Machi Coro's also won a lot of awards, uh, and it actually even had an expansion pack that went along with it. So a little bit more about Machi Coro is, again, like I said, we have landmarks, we have private industry. We also have, you know, kind of secondary industry, restaurants, major establishments, things like that. And you get those points and you roll dice to see you can get the most coins so that you can buy out the bigger parts of your town. This is one of my favorite games to play, and we've played it before. But in this game, we played it about four or five times. We really enjoyed it. Uh, it was fun for us to play as a family just because, you know, it's one of those things we enjoy. Um, it was also fun because everybody builds their town differently. So made it a lot of fun, put together uh, a game. But Machi Koro, if you can get a copy of it, it is a fun game to play. And it's especially fun to play with kids because my kids built their towns totally different than I did. And that's a good thing, right? We want our kids to you know display and put those things together. All right. The next game, the fourth game that we picked, well... It's Settlers of Catan, and I did an entire episode on Settlers of Catan in episode three. I do kind of want to give it a review of it and give you a little bit about, you know, the turning kind of thing. Is You know, this is, again, one of our favorite games to play in our house. It was a game that people were arguing over when they wanted to put the game into our game tournament. Um, we have a lot of fun, and, you know, in fact, we almost put in several variations of Catan, so we could play like four of them. And I kind of said, no, let's step back a little bit and not do that. So again, Catan setup is super easy. Um, it is a, you know, you're, you're building uh, basically your civilization in Catan, starting with your settlements, you move to cities, you build roads, you, you know, can get cards so you can steal resources from folks. If you have not seen Catan, have not seen the Settlers of Catan, haven't heard about it on shows like Big Bang Theory or TV shows, take a look at it. Or go back and listen to episode three of the podcast. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, again, enjoyed it, loved it. We had a good, good time. In fact, if you guys are looking for a game that you're going to play a lot, Settlers of Catan. Now in our tournament, same thing that always happens in our Settlers of Catan games occur. Some people take a chance on certain numbers. Some people take a chance on other numbers. And what I mean by that is that there are numbers with resources attached to them. So let's say you roll a two and the tool is sitting on stone. You get a stone card and stone resource. Um, it's one of those that I sit back and I go every single time the first play you have to play is you want to make sure you're getting wood or trees and you want to make sure you're getting bricks because you got to build roads. Roads are the most important thing. You got to build inside and outside of it all. So just keep that in mind uh, as you're going through. Other people, though, had a uh, had a different way that they wanted to do it. Easy peasy. Not not a big deal. Um we had a good time playing this. In fact, we played it twice because the first time we played it, we were about 40 minutes away from bedtime and then we put it in and played it again. So, you know, ultimately Settlers of Catan, great game for a tournament. It's easy to play, maybe 30 minutes to an hour for the game. Again, this tournament thing took almost four weeks for us to complete. When you find out some of the next few games, you'll know. Now, 
that's going to be the first part of the podcast. The next one, we're going to continue, but I'm going to continue with more games, a little less of how we started and put everything to play, things that affect. So I'm going to stop recording and then I will take a quick break and I'll start recording the next one. So I get all three of them out at the same time. Hopefully anyone who's bored and for some reason finds my voice interesting. I really feel sorry for you unless you're one of my friends and then totally keep listening. Yay. All right. Look for the next one.